Well, it goes without saying, the book of Psalms is a wonderful book. And it just seems like you can open the book of Psalms and you can find a good word of wisdom, no matter what you're going through or or what kind of a day you're having. I mean, Psalms is one of those books that's good on the good days and the bad days and the the bright days and the dark days. I mean, it's just uh, it's just all around a great book of the Bible. If we could only have two books, as far as a, a Christian being encouraged, well, I'd say Psalms and Proverbs would be great ones to start with. You know the rule of thumb, right? You read a proverb for every day of the month, and uh, that works really good. There's there's great gems of wisdom there in the book of Proverbs, and then the book of Psalms. Well, you have about five chapters per day. Right, a great assortment of things to read about. In Psalm 73, we have a psalm of Asaph. Asaph is the writer here, or maybe I should say the singer of psalms. Of this psalm, he he writes about God, but he but he shares his own perspective and his own experience of, of with God in life. And this is so enlightening; it's so encouraging. We find here in this psalm the power of perspective. And uh, we're going to take a look at that in just a moment. So if you found it, Psalm 73, we're going to do a little reading this morning, but it's going to be all good. Let's stand together and then we'll have prayer and begin in verse 1 of Psalm 73. Our Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this precious book of the Bible. And in particular, this psalm. We do ask that you'd bless the reading of God's word. And we pray, Lord, as we read it that you'll help us connect and relate with what Asaph is sharing with us. Because as he walked through life, he has the same tendency that we sometimes have. And Lord, our prayer today is that we would gain from the insight and wisdom of Asaph and that we too would come away from this with a changed perspective, rejoicing in our heart, saying God is good. So help us, we pray. Speak to our hearts. Do your work in our lives, we ask, as we read your word today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. 
Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Today I want to preach on this thought directly from Psalm 73. Simply this, God is good. That was Asaph's conclusion as he looked this way and that in life and came back to his original perspective that he started his chapter and he started his pen with. Truly, he said, God is good to Israel. Well, you know, after all these experiences, it's good to see someone come to the Lord uh, or maybe come back to the Lord in their perspective. Life has a way of doing that sometimes. Life has a way of tossing us around. Life has a way of, of uh, blindsiding us, maybe causing us to wobble just a little, wondering, do we have it right? Are we on the right track? Are we doing the right thing? Well, he said, when I went into the sanctuary of God, I figured it all out. God is truly good, and he writes that way from the beginning. That's how he, start his, how he starts this psalms. But he said something interesting that I want to take my text from here. In verse 28, he concludes this, But it is good for me to draw near to God. And I think what we see in this chapter is that Asaph is bringing his life experiences, he's bringing his perspectives and his questions, even his confusion, and he's bringing it to God, and God sorts it all out for him. And he helps him see the right way. And I, I want to ask this question this morning, or rather answer it. What happens when I draw near to God? I think his experience in this chapter answers that question for us. What happens when I draw near to God? You see, Asaph needed to meet with God. He was becoming envious of the prosperity of the wicked. And it was causing him to have some doubt as he reflected on his own faith and his walk with the Lord. He began to compare his life with theirs. And really, when you have the right perspective, there is no comparison. When he hears God's plan for the ages as he comes into the sanctuary, he has a real heart change. And then he confessed, oh, God is good. Isn't he, though? He's always good, isn't he? When we draw near to God, some things begin to happen. When we learn of God and his word, our perspective begins to take shape and, and become clear and sharpened. When we understand what God is doing, when we have a right perspective of life and the things that pertain to life, 
we come away with some benefits. And I want to share seven of those with you this morning. If you're taking notes, this will be number one. What happens when I draw near to God? Number one, I gain a proper perspective of things pertaining to life and death. I gain a proper perspective of things pertaining to life and death. Can I say to you there's power in perspective this morning? And you know, we, we need to perceive things in the light of God's word. We need to make sure that we're understanding what's happening around us in the light of, of the promises of God and God's plan for the ages. You see, Asaph was looking around and, and he was becoming envious because it seemed that the wicked were more prosperous than the righteous. And you know, at times it's going to appear that way until you get your perspective right. When you understand eternity and you understand perspective a little bit, then you realize, hey, guess what? During this life right here, this is all the heaven they're going to ever experience. So, hey, let them live it up. Let them enjoy it now because it won't last long and this life will soon be over. And when eternity comes, they're going to be sorry they didn't know God as they should. We understand that when we, like he said in verse 17, he said, when I came into the sanctuary of God, then, he said, then I understood their end. You know, the end of a thing really determines the quality of it. And when you look at the life of the wicked, it seems like they're having so much fun and it seems like they're prosperous. He said at one point, they have more than heart could wish. Is that possible? Well, sometimes it looks that way, doesn't it? You know, it looks like, man, they just have everything they want. Maybe so, but guess what? If they have everything they want in this life and they have nothing in the life to come and they are not rich toward God and they don't know Jesus Christ, they've rejected him as their savior. By the way, neglecting him is the same as rejecting him. To not make a decision is a decision. And when it comes to eternity, if they go out into eternity without God and spend forever in the lake of fire, hey, what good? is all these years they spent living it up on earth. Really nothing, is it? Not, not, not worth very much. And when he gained that perspective, it certainly helped him. When he drew near to God, when he came into the sanctuary, when he saw these things for what they really are, he said, I, I have a proper perspective now for things pertaining to life and death. And you know, you and I should come away from this meeting. You and I should come away from our devotions. We should come away from our experience in the word with a proper perspective of life and death. What happens now and what's going to happen in eternity? Again, realizing that life is short and eternity is very, very long. And what we do right now is planting seeds for what's going to be hereafter. We would be wise then, wouldn't we, to make investment in the days to come. But that's not all. He said in verse 18, he said, not only when I draw near to God, do I get a perspective of life and death. He said, but he said, I gain compassion for those without God. I gain compassion for those without God. And isn't that what the brother Jude said? And of some have compassion making a difference. Hey, if you want to make a difference in this world, if you want to make a difference for good and for God, then it's going to have to start with having some compassion in your own heart for those who are without God. You see, because we know something that they don't know. We know what's coming. Look at verse 18. He said, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou, create, thou castest them down into destruction. 
He talks about them being destroyed in a moment. Because that's what it's going to seem like. That's why Brother James said, what is our life? It is even a vapor. It appears for a short time and then it vanisheth away. And you know, I don't care how many years you live. 60 years. 70. 80. 90. 100. And behold, some even go beyond 100. 110. If you made it to 120 years. You'd say the same thing that 60 and 70 and 80-year-olds say when they die. Boy, that went by quick. Man, life is short. You know why? Because it is. And what's 100 years compared to all eternity? What's 100 years? And for us to spend 100 years without acknowledging God is foolish when we're going to go into an eternity that's going to be determined by whether we know God or not. Right? Foolish. And so those without God, the wicked, as he wrote about, they're foolish for not acknowledging God. That's what the Bible says. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Fools don't accept God. They don't acknowledge Him. But anyone can be foolish when our tendencies or our ways don't acknowledge God. And so he's saying here, at one point, he's saying, I was even foolish. He's talking about his perspective. Because at one point, he genuinely thought the wicked were better off because they had so much. Until he realized you know what? None of us are going to take any of that with us. We came into this world with nothing. We're going to go out with nothing. And it's all great, whatever you can amass while you're here. It's all wonderful. But the, the real question is not how much do you have. The real question is, what are you doing with what you have? Are you using it to make a difference in eternity? Are you laying up treasure in heaven? Are you trying to, to do the work of God and influence people and bless others with all the stuff you've acquired down here? You remember the story of the talents? And the master came and he gave the talents. You know, one, he gave one talent, and then he gave uh, two talents and five talents. You remember that? And when he came back, what did he expect? He expected them to have invested that and to have a return. And you remember the guy that did nothing with his talent? He buried it in a hole because he said, well, I don't want to lose it, you know. I don't want to take a risk. Because a lot of people don't want to take risk. You really do take risk. Every time you get in your car and get on the road, you take a risk. Hey, did you know Louisiana set a record for highway deaths in 2021? It's like the most that's ever been killed on the highway in our state. Hey, I'm telling you, you took a risk this morning coming here. You drove on the highway on the road. Whoa. We don't realize sometimes what risk we take. You're going to take another risk going home and another one tomorrow going to work. If we can take risk every day to, to have personal gain, then why can't we take risk for God? Why can't we do something big for him? Why can't we make heavenly investments? Why can't we take risk there? So this man took his talent, buried it in a hole because he didn't want to risk it. He didn't want to lose anything. And when the master returned, this was an illustration of Jesus returning. And when the master returned, he said, here, here's the talent you gave me. Hey, I didn't lose any. And what did the master call him? He said, thou wicked servant, 
Wow, those are strong words. How would you like to hear that from Jesus? Hey, you wicked servant. Why was he called wicked? You know why? Because he did nothing with what God gave him. He did nothing with it. Wow. Hey, I don't know about you, but when we meet God one day, I don't want to have that said about me, that I did nothing with my talents. I used none of my gifts for him. Wouldn't that be terrible? So Asaph said, I gain compassion for those who are without God. Guess what? They're not as well off as I thought, he said. But then number three, when I meet with God, he said, I realize the urgency and the value of time. The urgency of time. You know, all we have is right now. That's why the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. That's why James said, don't say we're going to go here and do this two weeks from now. He said, you, you know, we need to say, if the Lord wills, I'm going to do that in the future. Why? Because we're not guaranteed the future. We make plans, and sometimes, you know, we say, I'll pencil that in. Hey, look, all our plans are in pencil. Because we don't really know if we're going to do that or not. We're not sure we're going to be here to do that. We think so, we hope so, we, we plan so. But we have to realize the urgency of time. Notice in verse 19 what it says here. He said, how are they brought into desolation as in a moment? As in a moment. And, and again, that reminds me of the passage in James where he says our life is a vapor. You know, it, it appears for a short time and then vanishes away. We only have a short time. We only have right now. What are you going to do with it? Hey, if we were to stop this morning and if we were to just take a, a Kodak moment, just a snapshot of our life right now, and if we were to look back, what if, what, if, if I asked you this question, are you, are you completely satisfied? Are you content with what you've done for Jesus Christ from now back? Up to this moment, are you satisfied with what you've done for Jesus? Are you ready to meet him right now with the investments you've made? I don't know about you, but my answer is no. I've made some investments, and I, and I know they're there, but, but, but no, I'm not done. No, I don't want to meet him with just that. I'd like to do some more. Don't you think? Oh, then God help us to take advantage of the moment, to seize the day, because we have to realize the urgency and the value of time. You know what? Time is all we really have. Everything else is just stuff. It's just stuff. And he said, when I came into the sanctuary of God, when, when, I, when I drew near to God, wow, he said, it helped me see that. I realized the urgency of time. Number four, he said, I learned to view things the way God sees them. You know, that really is the, the, the mission. That's the task of the Christian. I believe it's one of the reasons God gave us a written copy of his word. I think because God wants us to see life and the issues of life the way he sees them. I think that's what gives us the ability as Christians to shine as lights in the world. When we live out biblical values, when we live life the way God designed it, we become a light to the world. Listen, God didn't call you to be a loudspeaker. 
Well, there may be some that he called to do that, right? Those prophets that herald forth the word of God. But most of us, what he say? Let your light shine. You know what? A light is silent. I'm not saying that we can't speak. And I'm definitely not saying that we should depend on the image of our lifestyle to, to win others to Christ alone. But I'm saying that's a great basis. That's the cornerstone. That's a wonderful start to winning others to the Lord is by just living the life. Because when we live the Christian life as we should, we represent God's values to the world when we, when we align our lives with those values. We become a light that shines. And you know, you don't have to be that bright. It, when you're in a dark place, you can see a match just far off. And that's why sometimes it doesn't take very much for the world to see, well, there's something different about you. Because when we live out God's values, they see it clearly. We're not like them. We're not chasing the stuff they're chasing. We're not motivated by the stuff they're motivated by. Asaph said, I learned to see the way God sees. Look at verse 20. The Bible says there, as a dream when, thou, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Notice he said in verse 21, Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. He said, So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Think about what he's saying. My heart was grieved. He's saying I was foolish. When he says my heart was grieved and then he said I was pricked in my reins, we call that conviction. He was saying, I was literally, when I came into the house of God and, and I saw from God's perspective, he said, I, I literally became convicted at my own perspective that I had before, thinking that, that the wealthy were better, better off. He said, oh, I came away so foolish. I realize how stupid that is. They're not better off. Hey, you know what? We're not better than anybody as a Christian. But because we're Christians, we are better off in that sense that we have our eternity settled, settled in heaven. And see, that's what makes the Bible question so powerful. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Yes, that's a powerful question. The most wealthy people in this world are unnamed. You just think people like Elon Musk and others are, you just think they're wealthy. No, that's kindergarten stuff compared to the elite wealthy. But even if you were one of the elite wealthy that no one hears their name, what they have is nothing if they don't have Jesus. Because you know what money is? It's paper printed by the government. And it, they, they say it's worth something. And because they say it's worth something, you can exchange for it. But guess what? They don't even use that for pavement in heaven. <laughs> we even say gold is more valuable than the paper stuff. And God says, yeah, that's what we make streets out of down up here. Gold. That's foundation material. That's not quality of life stuff. 
quality of life is based on the values that God gave us in his word. And that's what we need to be focused on. We need to see things the way God sees them. Hey, you know, as a Christian, we need to be careful to express opinions that are contrary to the word of God. You represent the God of heaven. The lost world sees you and they think of God. Isn't that what the Bible says? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. When you walk around saying, I'm a Christian, okay, then other people judge God by what they see in you. And you have no business sharing opinions that are contrary to God's. Are you smarter than him? Are you better than he? Can you question God? Hey, we should be careful and very clear when we announce an opinion that doesn't line up with the Bible. Because when that happens, somebody's wrong. And guess what? It's not God. I was reading a famous Christian newspaper recently, and I saw a title, something like, you know, when we don't agree with God. And I'm thinking, who do you think you are? Write an article about we don't agree with God. You just just told me you were wrong, (laughs) right? Wow, really? Is that really a thing? Is that really an issue when we don't agree with... That's really something to talk about? No, that's something to repent of. When we don't agree with God, do we have some things to learn? You know, usually when we don't agree with God, it's it's because of our feelings. It's because of the way we feel. But even then, you have to understand, our feelings are based on our perspective... Our perspective is finite. It's human. It's limited. And we look at life from our point of view and not from God's point of view. And if we stop for a moment and adopt God's point of view, we would change our perspective and it would change our feelings. Right? Hey, do you know that's why some people can't forgive? Do you know, do you know, do you know that's why some people can't heal? Because they cannot be helped because they refuse to look at whatever that is from God's point of view instead of their point of view. And they hold on to the hurt by clinging to their own opinion and their own perspective. That's sad. But Asaph said also, something happens when I draw near to God. Verse 24, he said, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Isn't it good that God gives us purpose and guidance in life? We're not left to wander aimlessly through life. This is something of great value that Christians have access to. We have access to the counsel of God. We have access to something valuable. You know what? We can look to the word of God. We can come to church in a service like this, and God can speak to us. God can give us clarity. God can answer questions about life issues. God can give us direction that we seek and purpose for our lives. Hey, isn't that worth something? Let me remind you, the wicked are without that. They don't have that. God's not guiding them that way. They're on their own, figuring it out, hoping for the best. I think we have something of great value We have God's guidance. We have the counsel of God. Number six, he said, I see my need for God. Look at verse 26. He said, but my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. He's my portion forever. Is that true for you this morning? 
Man, you know what? We can look to God, and the Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We can continue on because we have a God who can, and he can help us. God is the strength of my heart. And then lastly, he said, what happens when I draw near to God? Verse 28, he said, it's good for me to draw near to God. Don't you feel like that when you come to church? Don't you feel like that? Hey, it's been good to be in church. Haven't you enjoyed singing those great hymns and thinking about the Lord? Haven't you enjoyed the fellowship and and the good word of God? And boy, your heart just feels so good. I know I was involved in culture training at work and even in a secular environment when we talked about when we talked about life principles and and true values you know it's it's interesting because we did we did actually intersect bible truth and sometimes people would even say yeah that reminds me and they would quote a bible verse and i would say you're exactly right because god is the source of truth that's where it comes from and we would talk about stuff like that we would talk about the power of culture and and, and the and the power of change and we would talk about seeing things from the right perspective. And, you know, it, it always happened that as we would be leaving, I would fellowship with people and say, thanks for coming and thanks for participating and thanks for your help and what you did. And somebody would invariably always tell me going out the door, they would always say, man, that felt so good to be here today. Man, I'm glad I came. I had a person say one time, I felt like I've been to church. Wow. It's good. We didn't even open the Bible. Hey, we, Brother Richard, nobody even got him preached. But they heard truth and it had an effect on them. And they said, boy, just good, just good, right? And that's how it is. That's what Asaph said. It's good for me. It's been good. He said, I have put my trust in the Lord God. That was his conclusion. You know, he started with his trust in God, but he wobbled a little bit because he started looking at the wicked and he got off track a little bit thinking, you know, they're they're better off than I am and they got more than I do and all this. And he said, then I came into the sanctuary of God and, oh, he said it renewed my perspective. And, And his conclusion was he put his trust back in God. He realized he was on the right path after all, right? And he said, now what I want to do is, he said, that I may declare all thy works. He said, man, now what I want to do now, I just want to tell everybody how good God is. Isn't that right? You see what all we gain from drawing near to God? Hey, I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you drew near to God? When was the last time you got together with God and came away saying, boy, that was good. Boy, that was good. You know, we need that. You know what? We need to seek the Lord. It's not enough to just have a church service. It's not enough just to skim over the Bible and say, okay, I read that. No. We need to find God in all of this. We need to meet with him. Because when we do that, we come away a little different than when we came. Asaph was touched. His heart was changed. His confusion was banished his perspective was renewed and refreshed and he came away with a new desire to tell everybody that god is good and you know that's what we need we need that on a regular basis not just sunday morning we just need to meet god as often as we can we need to chase him down we need to look for him around every corner
We definitely need to find him in every church service. And we definitely need to seek him as we read his word during the week. And make sure you're not just going through the motions of Christianity, but that you're really walking with God. And hey, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, let me just say you are really missing the boat. Because you can know about God, but it's not the same as knowing him. And when you don't know him, you, you, you go through what Asaph went through. You have problems with perspectives and you can't quite get values figured out and you don't have purpose and direction like you should. God gives us all of that. He restores those things. Plus, plus he forgives your sins and gives you a home in heaven. What a wonderful thing. Hey, if you've never received Christ, you ought to do that today. If you've been missing out meeting with God, you ought to get that renewed today. And you ought, to, you ought to just set out on a journey in 2022. This is going to be the year of walking with God. Make it that way. Pursue him. Get on the hunt and find him everywhere you look. He's there. The psalmist said that in Psalm 139. Thou art there. Hey, God's good, isn't he? Let's share him more with people we know. Let's talk about Jesus and how good he really is.